0: Love Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Well, good evening, Dr. Carson. Dr. Carson, uh, of course, the purpose of our chat is that you have a brand new book titled Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And yes, did we ever need a book on this topic? Um, you lay out a, a hopeful and inspiring roadmap for how Americans can possibly come together. Uh, as we know, of course, slavery is over. We've gone through the Civil Rights Movement. We've had EEOC and all of that, all of that in between. But yet there are some people, including African Americans, who are saying that racism is over and that it no longer exists. Most recently, NFL player Antonio Brown made a very similar statement saying that racism doesn't exist. What are your thoughts on people who say that racism no longer is an issue in this country?
1: Well, I guess maybe they have a different definition of what racism is. Uh, racism definitely exists, uh, maybe not always in the places where you expect it. Uh for instance, uh people who look at the color of someone's skin and determine how they're supposed to think, I think that's racism very much so. uh when our current president said, "If you have trouble deciding between me and Donald Trump, you ain't black. That's a very racist statement. <laughs> Why do you get to decide who's black and who's not um So it it exists, and it exists in in all forms, wherever there are people, because people are not perfect. And in the book, you know, I go through reasons that people become racist. It's generally an environmental uh, factor, and it's because people are afraid. They're not confident about themselves and their environment. People who are completely self-confident and are
0: almost never racist. That's very true. I, as you said that, I, my mind was just kind of flip, flickering there of different people that I know who are very confident, and they don't seem to be racist as all, at all, that I can tell, at least. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, it, tends, it tends to be, who are you worried about? Because, you know, I was in Australia for a year, and, um, you know, they used to have a rights-only policy. A lot of my friends were concerned. You're going to Australia. But they don't have any concerns with black people. They're concerns with uh, Asians. Because in that part of the world, <laughs> that is there. And uh, so the prejudice was really more directed against Asians. They, they could care less about what's going on with black because there's so few of them. You might see one every few weeks.
0: Yeah, I've visited Melbourne before, and yes, you are totally correct on that, I feel so comfortable there. Uh, (laughs) Well, Dr. Carson, you also write in your book, uh, again, Created Equal is the short title, that perhaps one of the ways to hopefully bring racial equality success in this country is to focus on the country's strengths instead of its historical weaknesses, Uh, if that's is done, who should initiate this, mon- minorities or people of non-color? Who should be, go first?
1: Well, we, we all have a sphere of influence um, you now. We all should take it upon ourselves individually uh, to be a positive source to the people who are around us. Um, you know, our, and we need to understand that we, the American people, are not each other's enemies. Even if we disagree with each other, it's okay to disagree. Uh, You don't have to fight each other. Uh, And we should allow some of the Judeo-Christian values that were essential to the building of our country to become prevalent again. For instance, love your neighbor. That is such an important concept. And as we get rid of it, it gets replaced with something that is pure evil. And that is hate your neighbor and cancel your neighbor if you don't agree with them. Uh, How can that ever lead to a peaceful society? It won't. Because you have people with diverse ideals, diverse thoughts. That's actually uh, something that has benefited us greatly as a nation because we have people who look at things in different ways. And uh, that's why America has been at the very forefront of life-changing inventions for the world.
0: What are your thoughts about critical race theory being taught in schools, public schools?
1: Well, I'm sad to see it. Of course, now, they will deny that it's happening uh, or they keep changing the name of it. And they say, well, no, we're not teaching that. But, you know, I have a good friend. His, his eight-year-old granddaughter came home crying. saying, Grandpa, am I evil because I'm white? Well, where did she get it if she didn't get that in school? And, uh, you know, teaching you know, little white kids, you know, that they're, even that they're oppressors, that their families are oppressors, um, you yeah, know, that is really very cruel. Almost as cruel as teaching old black kids that they're victims, because if, if you think you're a victim, you are a victim, and you begin to act like a victim, and you begin to interpret everything like a victim. And it's exactly the wrong thing, but it's consistent, quite frankly with what Nikita Khrushchev said 60 years ago. He told Eisenhower, your grandchildren's children will live under communism and we won't have to fire a shot. And what did he know? He knew that if they gain control of our educational system so they could indoctrinate our kids, gain control of our media so they could spoon feed the people only what they wanted them to know, remove faith in God and replace it with faith in government, and raise the national debt to astronomical levels so you could justify massive taxation, redistribution of wealth, and complete control, they would have exactly what they wanted. And all of that, I'm sure, sounds very familiar to you because that's exactly what's going on. And one of the purposes of this book is to expose all those things that are happening
0: and how race is one of the key factors that they're using to divide our population. Now, this is a two-part question. Uh, When it comes to racial equality, what are some of the things that America is doing right, and what are some of the things that the country is totally missing and just getting all wrong as we stand today?
1: Well, one of the things that we're doing right is recognizing the innate talent that all of our citizens have. Uh, We've done a very good job of that because when I was a kid, and a black person came on television in a non servile role, it was a big deal. Everybody came running into the living room to see it. And now, within that same lifetime, you have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune five hundred companies and presidents of universities, including Ivy Leagues and Heads of Foundations. We've elected a black president twice with a black vice president. And you can see that we have not altered the, our society significantly in the right direction. You'd have to be virtually blind not to see that and to understand it. And that's a good thing. And those are the kinds of things that we need to be building our future on, not going back and dredging up uh, the worst parts of our past and you know, not falling for a lie that we are more evil than any other country because we had slavery uh, virtually all societies have had to deal with slavery and we're still dealing with it today there are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been in history uh particularly with uh, human trafficking and the greatest consumer of that is the united states of america so we've got some real problems going on right now affecting negatively hundreds of thousands of people's lives we don't have to go back 200 years and find something awful. There's something awful going on right now that we can do something about.
0: So very true. I, I, are you surprised that we are still dealing with some of these issues as far as race, even if it, though it's 2022? I know that I am.
1: Well, I'm, I'm not surprised because I know that those who want to fundamentally change their society will use anything as a cadre to, to beat people with and uh, you know they need to, to create the sense of dissatisfaction with the way that our society is now if they're going to get people to want to change it so you know the, the race issue is creating dissatisfaction uh defend the police is doing the same thing letting criminals out so they can wreak havoc in our society uh, not guarding our southern borders, just allowing general chaos, uh, doing everything you can to destroy our economy. You know, these are all the kinds of things that you can then point
0: to and say, See, I told- A lot of people like to point fingers at your, your party, the Republican Party, when it comes to racial matters and speaks constantly, fuming the flames towards uh, racism. They always point to the Republican Party, and you were answering right.
1: that. Right, and I don't, I don't know how much of that you got, but, you know, what I consider to be racism is looking at someone, looking at the color of their skin, and determining how you think they're supposed to act and what they're supposed to believe. And if they don't believe that, you start calling them names. Uh, that to me is the epitome of, of racism. And you know we need to just uh, you know put away all the, the heavy partisanship and start thinking about what is good for our nation, what is good for our people. As we have become more partisan, we've become more hateful and more disrespectful. And uh, that ultimately is the greatest threat to the future of our country.
0: Well, I have two more questions. here, two last questions here. Um, If Roe versus Wade is totally overturned, how do you think this will affect the gains as a country that we have made towards race relations and equality, especially for women?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting that you have asked that question because uh, when you look at some uh, individuals, they try to equate women's rights and the advancement that women have made with abortion. And the way I see it, it's, it's almost the opposite. You know, almost the most sacred relationship is between that baby and that mother. The reason that baby is in that mother's womb is because it's the safest place in the universe that it could be. But, uh, we have people who are trying to say that that baby is the enemy and you have the right to destroy that baby. And uh, I don't, I don't think that's the way most mothers feel. Quite frankly, I don't think they, they think that that's infringing upon their rights. Uh, and most people don't really stop to think about how a baby is formed. You have a male gamete and a female gamete, both with 23 chromosomes, and they meet together, and now you have a complete human being with 46 chromosomes. It's not the mother. It's not the father. It's an individual. It rapidly, very rapidly develops. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of alternative that people who get pregnant
0: inadvertently can do
1: that don't include killing the baby. So, and I think we're making progress on this issue. A lot more young people are turning away from the savagery of, of just killing babies and looking for alternatives. I think that's healthy for our society.
0: Well, Dr. Carson, uh, as we all know, in addition to being a world-renowned doctor, best-selling author, uh, you were the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Trump's administration. And, oh, my God, today, housing and rental prices are just outrageous. Where do you think this is all going? Are we going to get any relief? I mean, what what do you say to people such as myself and others? W- what should we be doing or expecting?
1: Well, we, we have to look at the things that, that have worked. We've, we've made some tremendous technological advancements in housing uh, that have reduced prices dramatically. But the problem is the regulations. When you add all the various regulations, the cost triples and quadruples sometimes. and. That's where the attention needs to be at the federal, state, and local level. How do we do logical things that keep people safe, that keep the environment safe, but that also keep the prices down? There has to be concerted effort toward doing that. Or we get into things like we have in Los Angeles where, yes, uh, you provide public housing uh, for people, that costs $400,000, you know, that uh, that doesn't uh, really make a whole lot of sense.
0: Do you see any relief for everybody in the immediate future or what?
1: Well, it can happen if people are willing to work together. You know, mm. uh, before COVID hit, uh, I had a close working relationship with uh, Mayor Garcetti, uh, with the governor there, with the uh, city council people. We had actually come up with a a very, I think, excellent plan for dealing with the homelessness situation on Skid Row and then Los Angeles. And uh, hopefully at some point uh, we can get back to those kinds of of things where we work together. But it has to be federal, state, local, along with non-profits and faith-based organizations working together. That creates the kind of synergy that's necessary to solve
0: and finally, I know there were obviously many achievements, but personally, what do you think was your, your best or greatest achievement when you were serving as Secretary uh, under the Trump administration, Secretary of Housing, I should say, in urban development?
1: Well, it might surprise you, but I, I think that the biggest thing was being able to get the financial house in order. Uh, you probably remember hearing all the horror stories about all the money at HUD that was misappropriated and all the scandals that were going on. And it was the Wild West when I got there. There hadn't been an audit in eight years. And every federal agency is required by law to have an audit every year. But the books were so bad. There were so many uh, material defects you couldn't do an audit. So, you know, getting that straightened out made a huge difference because then we were able to do all those programs like foster youth to independence and vision centers and opportunity zones and all these fabulous things, but we would have never been able to do them had we not fixed the financial structure.
0: Well, as we all know, uh, you were a 2016 Republican presidential candidate. Any plans to run for political office again in the future?
1: Well, I would, uh, I would hope not. I oh no i' always i' always do what the Lord wants me to do,
0: but I hope that 's not it <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's not Dr. Carson, you have served the, our country and the political systems and our medical uh world so well, and uh, we just really appreciate the work that you have done, no matter it should be, at least no matter what political party one belongs to. Uh, Your work uh, has just been outstanding. And, again, the book is Created Equal, the Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. And, Dr. Carson, I just thank you so much for chatting with me.
1: It's been wonderful being with you. Thank you. Take care.
0: Okay, thank you. You too, then. Bye-bye.